Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. So um, this morning we're going to start a brand new series. And whenever we start a new series, um, I like to give some background information so you know why it's relevant to your life. Uh, And this morning, uh, we were supposed to be going through the Old Testament book of Nahum, right? Which I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but um, as I was praying through our series, I was like, well, we will have just spent, and we did just spend like four months going through the Gospel of Mark and the New Testament, so let's change and go through a New Testament, I mean, an Old Testament book. And Nahum, uh, it's, a, it's a more of a poetic letter. It's one of the minor prophets where God uses Nahum to speak to the people about uh, how God protects his people, how he judges those who come against his people, but also how he holds his people accountable to do what he has called them to do. And I thought that would be a great book to go through before we go into the summer. Instead, uh, we're actually going through um, this series called As in the Days of Noah um, to focus on the return of Jesus Christ because I get a lot of like messages and posts and comments from people asking questions and sometimes they are, and I'm not trying to call anyone out or, or embarrass anyone, but sometimes there's stuff like this Uh, where someone said, hey, I just watched a video naming King Charles as the Antichrist. And sorry about my big forehead in in the thing there, but I, I, and I actually, my response to them was like, I have nothing. I don't know what to say to you about that. Um, I think you're wrong, but I don't know what else to say. And then the comments just went on like, oh, they also named Obama and Musk, meaning Elon Musk too, as the Antichrist. And I don't know if you guys remember, anyone remember back when they said Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because his name was Ronald Wilson Reagan and each of those had six letters. And I'm like, I, I'm like, and these are Christians. These aren't non-Christian folks. These are folks who claim to read the Bible, which apparently they're not. And again, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. But then more comments like this, referring to why uh, King Charles is the Antichrist. Uh, they said, have you seen his coat of arms? It looks like revelations, like, from Revelations. There's a book out called Antichrist and a Cup of Tea, which sounds really cool, but, uh, and then it said he's known as the Little Horn, oh, and his call sign was Red Dragon. And I get that, because there were people, and, and, and don't, don't raise your hand, don't turn and look at anyone, because that could all go wrong, but we remember when people were like, hey, the vaccination is the mark of the beast, right? Vaccination is coming, gone, beast is still not here, right? So, People will just adopt things that are not biblical. And, and the only reason we're doing this, and, and first of all, if you, if you know me, if you've been here any length of time, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone or call anyone out. But you also know that if, if someone, especially if they come to me and say, hey, isn't this what the Bible says, and they're wrong, I have a biblical mandate to say, no, let me, let me give you the correct information, right? So I'm not trying to embarrass anyone. That's why I blocked out their, their names. So I don't want anyone to feel like uh, if they somehow see this that I'm calling them out. I'm not. But I think it's important that we speak truth to the fear and misinformation 
that is being disseminated everywhere. And you can say that for anything around the internet, but especially around this. So really quick, uh, what I want to address is this immediate concern that he's known as the little horn and his call sign was red dragon, right? Because they're referencing in the, in, in the Bible, it talks about the antichrist or the beast will be a little horn, but what they miss is the whole rest of that verse where it says the little horn will rise out of a 10-nation confederacy, and, and three nations will come to be like the supreme ones, and then the little horn will take power from the other two, and that will be the beast and the Antichrist. King Charles didn't come out of a 10-nation confederacy. He came to power because the queen died. That's the only reason, right? So you can't take everything and say, I see a sign of this, I see a sign of that, and say, that's, that, that's, that's what the Bible, that we're in the times of the revelation, and start spreading fear and panic. Right? Although that would be a really good movie if they did make him like the Antichrist and all that stuff. It would be so cool. I would pay money to see it, but I would also know that's not what the Bible says. Okay? So uh, we're going to uh, talk about trying to dispel the misinformation that's out there about when the end times start. Right? So technically there's a term in the Bible called the end times. Here's the thing. There's another term in the Bible called the last days. Two different time periods. The last day started in the book of Acts, chapter 2. The last days will end when the end times start. They haven't so much started yet. What we are seeing is what Jesus calls the birth pangs, all the things that are being put in place to lead up to the end times. Now, there's also so much fear about whether or not we're living out the book of Revelation. Like you guys heard, the people that said that, you know, the, this, this is the mark of the beast and all the people that they claimed are the Antichrist, and they've all been wrong, right? Uh, so we're not living out the book of Revelation. We're living out the stuff leading up to it. But if you've read through the book of Revelation, uh, it's going to be like worse than anything the world has ever experienced. Like I think it's, it's either one quarter or one third, not of our nation, but of the global population cease to exist. They're, they're either killed because of famine or flood or, or natural disasters or just wars or economic collapse, right? Uh, but then there's also confusion about when Jesus will return. Now, all of these are, are, are interconnected, uh, so we're going to kind of set some correct information to all of this, right? So, because uh, there's, again, so much fear, so much, so much misinformation being put out there, and it's not just among the non-Christians, it's the people who claim to know and to love God, and they're being, you know, told, oh, you'd be afraid because, you know, Prince Charles and all this, all this kind of stuff that's just not biblically correct, and it's not true. And uh, I was talking with um, Gary, uh, we were going to visit, I forget, Sally, Sally Cooper, like a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this, and Gary is the one who said, hey, doesn't it say in the Bible that when Jesus returns, it will be as in the days of Noah. I was like, you're absolutely right. It says that and so much more. So we're, we're going to call this series that to bring attention to the fact the main thing that Jesus says to recall, to remember, to be aware of uh, regarding his return. And it's the main thing that people miss. Now, when Jesus made this statement, right, he was talking to his disciples uh, and we're going to see he was just talking to a handful of them. 
But he was making this statement, and he was answering three overarching questions. For those of you that want to follow along, we're going to be in uh, Matthew 24, then we're going to jump to the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, and we're going to jump into Revelations. For those of you that don't want to be flipping back and forth, I'm going to put all the verses up here on the screen so you can kind of uh, just follow along, okay? So Jesus was in the midst of answering three questions uh, when he asked this. In Matthew 24, which is, uh, it's called the, the Olivet Discourse because he was on the Mount of Olives when he said this. Um, and, and Matthew 24 is the most popular one because Matthew was, it's the first book of the Bible, right? But those of you who walked with us through the Gospel of Mark know that Mark was written 20 to 25 years first. But, so we're going to follow through Matthew. In verse 1, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another Every one will be thrown down. Now, we know from the book of Mark, and this is why it's so important to read things in context, uh, that his next thing that he says to them, excuse me, was only said to a small contingent of his disciples. He says in verse 3, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Now, again, go to Mark. We know it was only uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew who asked him privately when these things will happen. And I think that's telling because if you read through Peter's uh, first and second Peter, there's a lot of information about the end times and the return of Christ. Probably impacted by everything Jesus is about to say. John, we know, you know wrote the book of revelation because Jesus sent someone to say, hey, take a note and write this down. But the three questions that he was asked, and, and this is important, when will this happen? The when will this happen refers to when will the temple be destroyed? Because he said, they said, look at all these wonderful buildings. And he said, they're all going to be torn down. So they come to him and they say, when will this happen? The next question, what will be the sign of your coming. And the third question gives us a lot of information about that question. He says, and the sign of the end of the age. Right? So here's something important. The disciples knew that when Jesus returns his coming, it wasn't going to mark the end of the age. That word age means the end of the world or end of the uh, universe or the end of a specific chunk of time period, like an age of time. And they knew, hey, tell us when you're coming, but also give us a sign of the end of the age, because they understood when you return, whenever this return is, whatever this return is, when you return, it's not going to mark the end of the age or the end of the world as we know it, right? So they asked them this question, uh, those three questions. And our focus for this series is really just going to be on the return of Jesus. That, that's the focus. But you'll see a lot of the other questions mixed in just because they're all interconnected, right? So this is what Jesus says. He says, about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he makes sure that they understand. When I return, no one knows what day that's going to be. There is some point in time, some day, when God the Father is going to say, engage. Star Trek reference for those of you who don't get that, but okay. He's going to say, engage, right? And he tells them, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, here's where the confusion for a lot of people lies. And I'm going to hopefully try to clear this up, maybe not all this week, but as we go through this uh, series over the next couple of weeks, right? There are two returns of Jesus that are referenced in the Bible. There's one return where he comes in the clouds and he gathers up all of the God-honoring, Holy Spirit-full Christ followers and takes them away from the earth. Uh, it's a term, this term isn't in the Bible, it's called rapture, but the, it, uh, the term they choose for caught up is raptus in the, I think it's the Greek, uh, and so that's where we get the term rapture. There's a whole lot of folks who don't believe that's going to happen. That's okay. Um, I'm just going to say what the Bible says, because the Bible makes a strong case for it. The first century church made a strong case for it. Um, God makes a strong case for it. But then there is another separate return after that where Jesus comes and he returns physically to the earth and he puts a smackdown on all of the people who are coming against the nation of Israel at that time. And the confusion lies because he's, no one, he says no one knows the day or the hour, but the return of Jesus to the earth we don't know the day, but we know we can mark exactly when that is going to occur. And I'm going to say that again to make sure no one misunderstands me. I'm not trying to say I know the day when Jesus is going to return. But there's going to be a certain sign, and when that occurs, you can count down to the day when he returns. Not because I say this, because he says this. So the return where he says, you don't know the day or the hour can't be the physical return to the earth. It would be like this, right? Those of you who have children, right? You, let's say you take your children off to daycare, because that's what working parents do. You got to drop them off at daycare. And they're like all crying and they're excited. And you lean down and you say, look, look, look. Look out the window. When you see the sun set below the horizon, that's when you know I will return, right? They, for a child that age, two, three, four, that, that could be, that's like months to them. They don't have a watch looking and saying 1123, 1124, 1125, all right, we're getting ready to, to, to rock and roll. He'll be home in six hours. They don't have a watch that says, like mine says, sunset is at 8.06 tonight. So at 8.07, my parents will be here. It's just a long ways off for them, some unknown amount of time. But you've given them something to look for, to mark, which will tell them precisely when you will arrive. That's what... God does for the nation of Israel and for us. But then Jesus talks about another return like we just read where he said, you won't know the day or the hour. It wouldn't make sense for you to tell your child when you see the sunset, then look for my return. But then the next sentence say, you don't know the day or hour or when I'm going to return. Because then you have, like we said last week, then you have contradicting or conflicting information. All right? So uh, I want to look at um, this morning, spend some time just looking at where Jesus talks about and God talks about his return to the earth so we can rule that out 
That's not what's being talked about in Matthew 24. So uh, again, if you want to turn to uh, the book of Zechariah, if not, I'm going to put all the verses up on the screen. Now, a couple of years ago, might have been last year, year before, all these times are running together, we walked through the book of Zechariah, the entire book. So if you want to go look for that online, you can. It's somewhere, uh, go to our website, it's somewhere up there. But in Zechariah 8.3, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain. So whether you understand this language or not, God is making crystal clear to the people of Israel through the prophet Zechariah, there is coming a day when God is going to return and dwell with them. And then he says this in Zechariah 14, a day of the Lord is coming, Jerusalem, when your possessions will be plundered and divided up within your very walls. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, houses ransacked, the women raped, half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. And I apologize for the harsh language, but this is depicting a time when things will be so violent and so bad that the people, will, uh, uh, whole nations will come against the nation of Jerusalem and ransack it. And people try to say that, well, yeah, that's happened before. Uh, the Babylonians came and did it, and then Rome came and did it. But that's not what this is referring to, because the very next sentence says, then, so after all that happens, then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. And when we went through the book of Zechariah, we said that there's no way Zechariah could have known this, but geologists have found a, uh, what are the, uh, the tectonic plates and a fault line that runs underneath the Mount of Olives. There's no way Zechariah could have known this. But what Zechariah is saying is there's going to be a day when they come against Israel that the response of God is going to go, be to go out and to fight against those nations. And then he says this, the Lord will be king over the whole earth, and on that day there will be one Lord, and his name the only name. And we know that hasn't happened yet, right? So we know that's not talking about uh, an Old Testament fulfillment of that. Uh, and here's what it says in Revelation, and we're going we're to kind of compare the two. It says, then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon, which is what Zechariah was referring to. This great war that's going to take place at the end of what's called the Great Tribulation. And then it says this in chapter 19, verse 11 and 12, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. 
He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And in case you're not aware, this is talking about Jesus Christ. This is talking about, uh, and let me lay this out for you as I share this last verse. Uh, Then I saw the beast, is the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse and his army. So from what Zechariah says and from what Revelation says, and there are so many other verses we don't have time to go through. Let me paint this picture for you. There is going to be this time where this person called the Antichrist comes to power. When he does, he's going to usher in three and a half years of unprecedented global peace, which, raise your hand if you say you've seen unprecedented global peace in your lifetime. We haven't, especially not today, right? So there's going to be, I mean, not just in our nation, not just in our community, no wars, no angers. Facebook might even be a friendly place. I mean, it's just unprecedented peace for three and a half years. But then once you get past that three and a half year mark, there was going to be unprecedented sickness, disease, war, and turmoil. And that same king, the Antichrist, is going to wage war against the people of God, against the Israelites, against Jerusalem. And after three and a half years of unprecedented global and economic chaos, financial disasters, disease on the the pandemic that we just went through will pale in comparison to what's going to happen, and natural disaster after natural disaster, mountains crumbling, like whole rivers and water sources polluted and and toxic. And it says that up to, I think, one-third to one-quarter to one-third of the world's population will die because of all this. And it's going to end by Jesus coming back and waging war against those nations that come against Jerusalem. Um, I think I have this verse. Uh, Yeah, because Jesus says, for then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. That time will be so bad that if Jesus did not come back, we would wipe ourselves out from war and plague and famine. Humanity would cease to exist. But it does end. And you can tell because there's going to be, again, mark the days from the time that this person comes to power, three and a half years of unprecedented peace. And then from that movement on, three and a half years until the return of Christ to wage war against those nations that are coming against Israel. So when you read where Jesus says, keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. He's not referring to the time where, hey, you can mark it off. Mark on your days, on a calendar, um, you know, three and a half years of just global, unprecedented uh, distress and tribulation that the world has never seen before. 
And it's going to end with the return of Christ. So what he's saying, keep watch, because you don't know when that day will come, references to his return in the air, which we'll talk more about next week. But I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Uh, I was going to have the band come up and sing, but we're running a little bit behind. So I'm going to ask us to pray. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we would like to pray for all those people who are experiencing fear at what's going on in our world, at all of the cultural chaos, at all of the violence, at all of the gun violence, at all of the economic chaos, whole nations that are, are, are like defaulting and going bankrupt and, and rioting in the streets and people going hungry. And as bad as it sounds, according to your word, we know it's only going to get worse. But we know there will be a day when you come for your people to remove them from this earth so that we do not have to experience that global chaos, all of that fear and anger and frustration. And we pray that you would equip us as we go through this series over the next couple of weeks to give correct biblical information because as we'll talk about next week, we know in your word, it says the return of Christ, your return should be a source of hope, encouragement, and excitement that your people look forward to, not that we dread because of fear. So we pray that you would give us your spirit of peace. Give us the wisdom and discernment to pick through all the noise and to just hear your calming voice that encourages us and that calms us as we deal with the chaos in our world. We pray that you also equip us to be the voice of logic and peace and reason as we speak to others about the chaos and about the craziness and the chaotic just stuff going on in our world. Allow us to not ridicule people who think differently than us. Allow us not to demean those who may not understand your word or even agree with your word. Allow us to respectfully share your truth with other people and hopefully bring them a sense of peace and hope that we can experience from you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.